1: Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com.
2: No purchase necessary. VTW. Void prohibited
0: by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2.
2: What is good everybody? Welcome to another gold standard production. Rob Stats and Vish Kumarin here with you. What's up, Vish? Good to be back with you.
3: Dude, yeah, what's up with you? Whoa, what is did you see that?
2: No, what I happened? Don't know.
3: Okay, never mind. Something I something caught my eye. Um, but what is up with you, Rob? I recently just found out backstage that you hosted ESPN again? ESPN yeah, radio again. ESPN Radio
2: game day on ESPN Radio from one to four in the afternoon with Michelle Smallman. It was uh, a little NBA heavy show, getting a chance to flex my sports legs a little. Okay, bit. okay.
3: I I saw that you tweeted at me some Kevin Durant. I was I was a little upset. Uh, I'm a I'm a KD hater. I'll, I'll say that I was a little <laughs> upset, and you tweeted back at me, and I I, I didn't want to go back at you because. I feel like now that you're on ESPN and you're talking hoops on ESPN, you're like now Rob Guerrero, basketball expert. And like, I didn't think that we could really have that conversation. What what were you thinking?
2: Uh, Well, I mean, your criticism was that he's played with a lot of really good teammates. Like, yeah, that's, we don't say that about Debo, right? We don't say, Oh, Debo Samuels had too many good teammates or Nick Bosa or Javon Hargrave. Like, That should be the goal. You should want to play with really good
3: teams. So my my criticism was that you are correct, but it was more my frustration. Um, I'm a big LeBron fan, and I think generally the media is a little soft on KD in terms of how they talk about him and his failures. I think Russell Westbrook took the brunt of it for the first seven years. Oh, yeah. Then people really hopped off of criticizing him for the move to Golden State once they won the title, which I didn't really get because everybody knew they were going to win the title the moment he signed on July 4th of 2016 (laughs) for the uh, Golden State Warriors. So I I didn't get that one. Of course, Stephen A., who was probably the most critical the moment Mama Durant said something to him. Now Stephen A. is on the boardroom and he's best friends with Kevin Durant. So you have that going on um, as well. And then, of course, the Brooklyn debacle, everything that happened with Kyrie. The fact that he asked out a year after asking for an extension on the place that he chose to go to. He wasn't traded to Brooklyn. He chose to go there. And he didn't get criticized for that. Then he joined his two favorite teams, the two teams he put that he wanted to go to on the trade were the two teams that were the one seed in each conference the previous year. That was ridiculous to me. And then it was like the first time they trade Kyrie Irving and that Brooklyn team with Kevin Durant, they wouldn't have made the finals or anything. But look at the Miami team that just made the finals. Are you telling me that a healthy Kevin Durant on that Brooklyn team with I guess they wouldn't have had? Michael Bridges and Cam Johnson, but either way, I was just frustrated that I've never had to see him in that situation. My guy, LeBron, as Smack Jones says, my guy, Vish, my guy LeBron takes a lot of criticism for that. I'm a hater. I'm completely biased. I'm hating unwillingly. (laughs) I'm hating willingly, but yeah, it's, it's hate.
2: I'm a hater. I'm completely biased. It's going to be a drop that lives forever. So I just want to thank you for that. Uh, (laughs) We can have the NBA conversation another time. This is a 49ers show. Let's get into the brunt of it, by the way. Shout out to all the YouTube members. Really appreciate it. If you want to become a YouTube member, less than $3 a month, we really would appreciate it. You get custom emojis, priority comment response, all that good stuff. And uh, hopefully you will and do And a that.
3: follow, right? And a follow for Rob Guerrero.
2: Sure. And a follow. What the hell? We'll throw that in too. Okay. Subject of today's show. Does Kyle Shanahan get too much criticism? I don't know why. Cough, cough, Grant Cohn. But Kyle Shanahan seems to be getting a lot of criticism these days. Uh, I don't know if we're just bored before training camp starts, but I do think it is a little crazy. Do you think Kyle Shanahan gets too much criticism, Vish?
3: It's a very nuanced topic because you could easily argue that he doesn't get enough criticisms for his actual shortcomings, and he gets too much criticisms for things that really don't have much to do with him. And so I I would say that it's a very, very difficult conversation to just say, does he get too much hate? Because I would say, like, for example, the quarterback situation, how it's been mishandled by Shanahan, who's specifically supposed to be this offensive genius, right? When we talk 49ers coach that comes in, and by the way, this applies to Jim Harbaugh too, right? They always put the next Bill Walsh tag on him. And Jim Harbaugh came in here, and I'll never forget this. Shout out to whoever says it, my weekly mention of my dad. My dad, after the first half of the lockout season, the first thing he said to me, I kid you not, this was the Seahawks Niners game, the Ted Ginn infamous double return game in the fourth quarter. He goes, because we hated it on the Jimmy Ray offense, right? We hated it on the Jimmy Ray offense. He turns to me and he goes, it's more creative on what they're doing in the run game. But yep. Really, does the offense feel that much different? It feels just as conservative and run heavy as it was and I was like dad chill they just went through a lockout first install. so it turns out that's exactly what the 49ers offense was under Jim Harbaugh he was exactly right so they get this next Bill Walsh tag right and Shanahan has lived up to it unlike Harbaugh in terms of implementing an offensive scheme that's truly genius but he has not lived up to the other part that was Bill Walsh's strength because of the history of the organization because that's the comparison that comes in and that's the quarterback element so I would say he doesn't get enough criticism for that but I think like for example what we're going to talk about today shout out to our mutual friend you're the guy you're beefing with Jesse Naylor he <laughs> made he made a great point after re-watching the NFC championship game I think that criticism I think that one is a little too far I think there's been a couple others too that have been maybe a little bit too like well I mean Kyle maybe has a hand in what's going on here, but I feel like it's just turned into let's just blame Shanahan because it's raining in San Francisco today.
2: Okay. Well, you mentioned the tweet from Jesse, who, by the way, I just want to say, because some pe- people lose sight of this, I love Jesse. I have nothing but respect for Jesse. We just disagree about this take. But his tweet was just ripped off the band aid and watched the NFC championship game again. This narrative that the game was lost when Purdy went out is not true. to with a minute and 36 left before the half, getting the ball to start the second half. Why is Kyle asking Josh Johnson to go score, sit on the ball? I couldn't disagree with this take more, Vish. You should try and score. You're losing. Why isn't the criticism Josh Johnson needs to learn how to catch the snap? Why do we automatically go right to Kyle as if he knew that was going to happen or as if he knew that going for it means automatic turnover?
3: Okay, I think, I think you're overblowing here while well, going for it means automatic turnover. I agree. To me, at the end of the day, the reason I can't necessarily embrace this criticism of Shanahan is because Josh Johnson failed at doing the most rudimentary thing a quarterback needs to do, which is catch the snap. And therefore, even if they held the ball at that point, I feel like, well, he could have fumbled the snap and Philadelphia could have gotten the ball back no matter what, right? So I feel like that exists. And I think that was the big problem. Now, I do think there's credibility to this idea that, hey, um, look, the Niners were, had a really rough half. Their quarterback got hurt, you know, five snaps into it. They're lucky that they're on the road through this NFC Championship game, and Christian McCaffrey had one drive where he was Superman, and they're only down 14-7. It's only 14-7. We're getting the ball to start the half. Let's just ride this out. Let's go into the half 14-7. Let's take a deep breath. And let's reset and figure out what we need to do. I think that's perfectly valid. Now, I think Shanahan's thinking was, well, this is a quarterback who hasn't played a lot. We signed him midseason. The two-minute drill is a very easy way offensively for me to create easy completions for this guy because the field's going to be a little bit more opened up. The defense is going to be playing a little safer. They're going to not be – when you're going hurry up, no huddle, it's not like you're going to get an exotic blitz or an exotic coverage. You're going to see what you're seeing. And I can build this guy's confidence because what you're going to mention and what you mentioned to me on the phone, which is your point, and it's a really good one, is that the Niners needed Josh Johnson to play well to have any chance in the second half, right? They could have sat on the ball, but what Josh Johnson was doing in that first half, the way they scored points, that was not going to be sustainable for them to win even if they sat on the ball. So they needed to build this confidence somehow, and that's where – like. I feel like that was the thinking, and he failed at doing, which again, like you could argue, well, hey, Josh Johnson, moments too big for him. Why subject him to that? I buy that too, man. If he got under, if he was put a little bit under pressure, if he threw a pick, I think that's a really, really fair criticism. Hey, Shanahan, why are you putting him in that spot? It's Josh Johnson. Protect him the best you can in that game. But he dropped the snap, man. (laughs) How can I blame Shanahan for that? He dropped the snap.
2: I feel like we go back in time and we're like, Shannon should have known. It's like, yes, of course, if you choose to be aggressive, there's a chance you turn the ball over. But that doesn't mean that you can't. All that's sitting on the ball does is guarantees that you don't go into the half losing by more. That's it. You're already losing. And I feel like we've done it with Trey Lance. Like, you ran Trey Lance. He got hurt. You should have known. Like, no, you, we can't do that and it's weird because I feel like people blame Kyle Shanahan for being a control freak but then also act like everything is in his control he can control all the injuries and he can control when we turn the ball over and you can't have it both ways
3: right right and it's like he avoids that situation right let's be honest Niners are likely losing that game regardless with Josh Johnson under center it was pretty good to watch it right yeah and so he and you don't go for it, then we're having a conversation of should he been more aggressive? The mm-hmm. defense, right? Because this is where then the conversation changes. Because the defense had a brutal drive before that. They were on the field for seven minutes and they had multiple penalties that allowed Philly to convert a couple of third downs, get them moving up the field, right? Dre Greenlaw, he, his weekly penalty was committed yeah. <laughs> uh, on that drive, right? So like it happens. And then we get into Shanahan. It's like, you just lost the momentum. Like they just took the momentum back from you after you scored going on this long drive. And you just let them keep the momentum and sit on the ball. And you don't try to go back at them and get some points and create. So it's like, we can't win with this discussion. I love that Jesse brought it up because I think it's a very nuanced discussion when we're talking about what a head coach should do in that situation regardless. But in this particular situation, the guy dropped the snap. Like if he, you know he pick, we could be like Shanahan. Don't do that to him. If he got sacked, we could be like Shanahan. Don't do that to him. He dropped the snap.
2: You know what he did? The play before he dropped the snap, he threw an eleven yard completion to Debo Samuel. So like, you know, maybe it was going to work. Who knows? I don't. But I don't criticize him for going for it in that spot. It's what I've been begging Kyle Shanahan right. to do forever. So I'm not right. going to say he shouldn't have done it. Moo says I don't criticize Kyle Shanahan for football. What the hell do I know compared to Kyle Shanahan? Mine is purely quarterback management and personnel. Other great coaches in the building compensate for Kyle Shanahan's personnel short, uh, personal shortcomings. I agree that his handling of the quarterback situation has been bad. Uh, that is one thing that I completely disagree with how he has done it. Um, his other personnel handling, I think, is pretty good. Like They do have one of the best rosters in the league, and he has final say over the roster. So I, I do want to give him credit for that.
3: Yeah, by the way, I, I've heard that being mentioned. Like Grant has mentioned that John Lynch has control of the 53, but he cedes that control to Shanahan. No, John Lynch has control over the 90 man roster. Shanahan has control over the 53. This was talked about in 2017 when they. Shanahan signed. controls
2: everything, fish. He hired yes, John Lynch. But
3: technically, he in the written of their contract, John Lynch has control of the 90 man. Shanahan has control of the 53, if I remember this correctly. Am I correct? Now I yeah, I don't
2: know what's written in the contract, but I know who hired who. And like I know how exactly we work in practice as opposed to in principle. Um, exactly.
3: By the way, and Mo is right in a sense. Moo shoot, he said moo last time I corrected you, and now I said Mo, gosh. (laughs) But he is right, right? Like I I I I kind of look at it the same way. I think the QB management for sure deserves criticism. Even the personnel, I I think Moo's criticism isn't like that they haven't accumulated personnel. It's just that some guys have had this weird like doghouse moment. Okay. Either gotten out of it or sometimes they haven't gotten out of it where there's been seemingly a miscommunication between coach and player causing that. Yes. Especially when they publicly say doghouse, he's not in the doghouse. And then they leak to Chris Collinsworth (laughs) before the monsoon game in Indianapolis. Like Brandon, that Kyle Shanahan says he loves Brandon IU, but the kid's got to hustle in practice or something like that. Yeah. So it's always crazy that way. Um, But yeah, I agree with Mo.
2: Moo. how many times you going to do that? Smack Jones 919 says Kyle needs to win now. His coaching window is parallel to our talent window and it's coming to a close. Kyle has what's needed. Maybe too many quarterback options. I disagree that it's coming to a close. As long as you have Kyle there, I don't think it's coming to a close. It might be, Coming to a close for some of the players on the roster. Like, for example, I don't know how much longer Debo Samuel is going to be on the team. I don't know how much longer George Kittle is going to be on the team, Trent Williams. So for certain players, I agree the window is closing. But to me, as long as Kyle is there, they are going to have a chance to win a Super Bowl.
3: I, I agree with Smack. I disagree with you. Windows you- in, 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 Windows in the NFL exist because of two things. I see the coaches enter to come out. He says this all the time. Windows in the NFL exist because of two things, coach and quarterback. The yep. life of this window is on this roster. It's when Trent Williams retires, when Nick Bosa starts not being the best defensive player in the NFL, when Fred Williams right. slips a little bit, when Kittle's. that's the window of this team. Because as much as Shanahan, it's, there's no guarantee that Shanahan, even though he did it once, he also did it where he had assets and he had years where he could play a young George Kittle as a rookie and develop him. The Niners don't have those kind of options for their young players anymore because there's an urgency to win from day one for their young players. So I don't think the development can happen the same way. And so therefore I do think their window is tied to those core group of players. And if they don't do it, they're going to be scrambling a little bit unless Brock Purdy is their quarterback of the future, unless Sam Darnold's their quarterback of the future, unless Trey Lance is the quarterback of their future, unless Brandon Allen's the quarterback of their future, unless Clayton Thorson's the quarterback of their future. Did I miss anybody?
2: If they've had this window without that quarterback of the future, though, I think that they can keep it going. If there's one thing I want to give Kyle credit for, I feel like he knows how to scout people for his system. Mm -hmm. So If he did it with Debo and he did it with Ayuk, he can do it with others in the future. I don't have as I'm not as scared about that as some people. Um, But look, if you I get why. You think that Uh, maybe I have too much faith in Kyle. I openly admit that Mm -hmm. a coach says Brock got hurt on a play action pass rollout and got sacked by Tyler Croft, missing the block. What does Kyle call literally right after Josh gets in the game, a play action where this time Kittle misses the block for a sack pig headed. But again, if you're Kyle Shanahan, you can't call plays and say, well, I'm just going to assume everybody's going to miss their block. Like at some point you have to count on players to execute plays properly and i just feel like it's not kyle shanahan's fault that people miss blocks people miss blocks because players are imperfect people
3: i don't think that's his point what's his his point point? is not that the block was missed i think his point was that he went back to a seven-step play action after his quarterback just got hurt on a seven-step play action two plays ago so what it, yeah I, it's it, it's I, I think there I think it is it is a valid point, but I also don't necessarily and this is where it becomes difficult to have a conversation like this because I don't know what their plan was for that game, what they saw on tape that might think that they had an advantage calling that play action play I actually i this is the one game of the 49ers season I have not watched again like many times, so I genuinely do not know enough to comment here, yeah.
2: But this is my this is my reaction, and if I'm missing the point, I apologize, Coach. Like we did this with Trey Lance, right? Trey Lance runs up the middle, up. Oh, he got hurt. No more quarterback power ever. Okay, as if that's going to eliminate him getting injured. Oh, Brock got hurt on a seven-step play action. Oh, I guess we can't call that. We got to take right, all right, that out right, of the right, 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 right You can't you can't eliminate injuries through play calling. You just can't do it. It's a hundred percent injury rate sport, and so that's why I feel like Kyle gets criticism when I don't think it's deserved.
3: Yeah, I would say generally he gets unwarranted criticism for sure.
0: Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price Priceline.
3: Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make
2: him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at choppacasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family.
0: No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Boy, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.
2: Oh, oh, good. fish. Jesse's watching. Um, He's in the chat. There we go.
3: This, He's oh, already I'm, beefing with you. He's already beefing with you.
2: Now I think we have a legitimate Twitter beef. Um. <laughs> I like this, by the way. He says, what are the chances of something good happening in that scenario with a fourth-string quarterback? That's all my point was. Let him settle into the game and take your chances in the second half. What are the chances of something good happening? I think he would tell you he thought pretty good. You know, again, I don't think he knew there was going to be a turnover, but you have to try and win. Why is it okay to try in the second half but not at the end of the first half? That's what I don't – like, if you're going to try to win, try to win. You had the ball. You had timeouts. You had 90 seconds. Let's go.
3: Yes and no. I do think just in terms of how emotionally taxing the half was because the quarterback got injured, you could make the argument that the team needed a reset. Like, hey, everybody calm down. We still have a chance. It's only 14-7. We need to do these three things to win the game. And I think that's what Jesse's referring to. But I think in terms of the second part of what he said, let him settle into the game. I wonder if the idea was that the two minute drill would be the easiest way to get him a few completions to set him in, settle him into the game. Because again, things are a little bit more spread out. Things are a little bit more defined. You can call quick game and stuff and have a little bit more space, right? The 11 yard pass you just talked about on the first play, the Debo is an example that I remember it. Um, And so I think that there's also, there's an idea that he could have settled Josh Johnson, even if they didn't get points on that drive, Rob, He could have built his confidence with a couple of completions there. And again, he dropped the snap and that's where things kind of went astray. And that's where it becomes very difficult because I think Jesse is bringing up a very nuanced point and you're making a very nuanced argument back at it. And we can't even really talk about it because the guy made the most rudimentary mistake a quarterback can make.
2: I just don't know why the chances of something good happening would be better in the third quarter than they were one drive previous. And like you can say they needed time to reset, but the offense was just off the field for seven minutes. Like you said, that's their time to reset. They're not sitting on their sideline doing nothing. I don't know. Again, maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong in this. I'm willing to admit that, but I, I don't like how we seemingly think that Kyle Shanahan, you know, is like all knowing sometimes Tyler By says, the way,
3: shout out to Jesse for bringing this up because honestly, there's nothing really to talk about overall <laughs> I because think I think that. in both scenarios, we do believe that the Niners still lose that game. Don't we? I think we all believe that. And so shout out to him. Cause we just spent 19 minutes and without him, we, what would he have? We would have kept talking about you and Kevin Durant and me.
2: <laughs> Tyler says both parties should be held responsible. Kyle's play calling and the players need to execute on the field. That is something that we struggle with a lot as fans, right? And we, we've struggled with it when it comes to the whole, why did the offense do good? Was it CMC? Was it Brock Purdy? Multiple things can be true. The answer is, more often than not, what Tyler is saying. Many things need to be better. In the case of this, Brock could have stepped up and given himself a half a second more to throw the ball on that play where he got hurt. Maybe it wasn't the greatest you know, decision from Kyle Shanahan to have Croft be set up in that position. Both of those things can be true. And I'm fine with that. I do think that is something that I struggle with, especially immediately after games, because I'm very emotional. And sometimes I don't, you know, take the step back and, and look at things in a bigger uh, picture, so to, way, so to speak. But I agree. Multiple things can be true. and multi- And the blame can go to multiple people.
3: I've always struggled with criticizing specific play calls because criticizing play calls when you know the result of what happened with the play call is the easiest thing in the world. Yes. Like, don't call that. We know it didn't work. Call this. Well, we know it worked, right? It's one of those type of things. And oftentimes play callers are prisoners of the moment and what they think the defense is doing and how they feel in that moment and what their momentum is and all of that. And so that's a process that you and I can't really relate to. So I struggle with the criticisms of play calling in general. I think the better criticism of Shanahan as a play caller is not the actual play calling. It's the plan is his plan making sense. And I will in his credit, hundred times, really 99 times out of a hundred, the guy's plan on how to attack a defense is money. It's money.
2: Uh, Jesse says, nobody's wrong. Just a difference of opinion. Kyle often sits on the first half. That's true, but he chooses the NFC championship game with a fourth string quarterback to be aggressive, strange timing and situation. I 100% agree that that is not what Kyle usually does. He usually does sit on the ball. And I, when I saw that first completion, when when I saw Josh drop back on that first play, I was like, he's doing this? Okay, let's go. Because um, again, I have consistently criticized Kyle for that. Right. So I don't want to change it up because I've been begging right. him to do it. Right. I understand Jesse saying like, "What now is a weird time to switch. I agree with that. But uh, I don't know. I had no problem with it. I I don't think they were going to win that game. I think the 49ers offensive line got absolutely destroyed in that game. Uh, but we'll never know.
3: Josh, but I, Johnson wasn't capable of winning that game. No chance.
2: I don't think he was either, but we'll see. Uh, I do want to get to a super chat that we had early because I said we would. Uh, Kaimana, Kaimana, I apologize uh, for, for mispronouncing your name. Drop it in the comments. Let me know and I will be better. Uh, what is the length of leash for each 49ers QB1? We don't know, Vish. We don't know. I think it all comes down to is the team winning. If they're winning, I think the leash is forever. If they're losing, Kyle may get impatient.
3: Yeah, pretty much. That's exactly it, right? That's exactly it. It just all depends on the results. In fact, I think the quarterback can play crappy as ever. And if they're winning, (laughs) that quarterback is going to have the longest leash of all time. Remember, and I'll bring us back to 2019. Now, there's one big difference between this and 2019, and it's how much money the quarterbacks make. And if you don't think that that has to do with any of this, then you're just pretending that the NFL is the ultimate meritocracy that doesn't exist in real life. So right. Jimmy Garoppolo making $25 million and Nick Mullins making, you know, undrafted vet minimum or rookie minimum undrafted per player salary. It does make a difference in Garoppolo's leash versus Mullins, but we did get reporting from two individual sources in the 2019 offseason, prior to the season that, Jimmy Garoppolo obviously wasn't doing great in camp, but both Mike Silver and Chris Morton said that said, Ms. Chris Mortenson said that Shanahan prefers how Nick Mullins runs his offense. And if they, it starts ugly, the leash could be short on Jimmy Garoppolo. And the funny thing about that season is that it did start ugly for Garoppolo, but the Niners were eight and oh, right? <laughs> he didn't really have a good game until they went eight. and No oh. feels great baby Halloween night versus the Cardinals at Arizona. And so because of that, I, I feel like, um, again it's exactly what you said it's just all about the wins and losses now again Jimmy's salary did play into it Rob for sure I agree And that equity and all of that I don't know if maybe Brock has established that already I don't know if anybody has really established that on this team yet but 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 they gave him that leash when they went eight zero, and he was pretty much terrible for the first seven games he was good in the second half of the year terrible for the first seven games
2: Yeah. Uh, But, you know, in 2017, they lost they were losing games and they didn't really they kind of didn't really flip flop with quarterbacks, although at that point it was like, who are you going to go to? Um, The coach is back. He says we need to peel back the onion. The only people at fault are getting salary. I'm just skeptical of anyone who says the head coach has no blame. That's weird. So, Rob, what blame do you give Kyle in that game? Be clear. If you're talking about the Eagles game? I don't give him any blame. I've never given Kyle Shanahan any blame for the quarterback injuries. Guys get hurt. Okay. It happened. The bills run Josh Allen all the time. He hasn't had an injury like Trey Lance. Like I I, I don't blame injuries on the head coach. I just don't. I can blame a head coach for sticking with somebody who continually gets injured like a Jimmy Garoppolo or a D Ford or Javon Kinlaw that I do blame them for because hurt guys get hurt. But in any specific game, coach, you can't hold a coach responsible for that. It's just crazy to me because they don't know that the player is going to get injured when they call the play. Am I wrong?
3: No, I just I'm waiting for his response. I'm loving this back and forth. I'm just grabbing my popcorn and watching it.
2: I know. But, you know, we have we have to talk here. We have a thing. You can't just sit silently (laughs)
3: Um, uh, no, I'm just messing with you. I think both, I think there's, I'm, I'm going to do the classic vish and I'm going to say that there's some right somewhere in between both of what you're saying. Um, I think that Rob, you're exactly right in the sense that you never know if a play call is going to yield to a player getting injured But I also think that there are certain play calls that do yield a higher percentage of possibility to put a player in a precarious position. For example, running your quarterback does leave him vulnerable for more hits. Now, quarterbacks can get hurt in the pocket. Quarterbacks can get hurt outside of the pocket. They can get hurt anywhere. But running them outside of the pocket does, or running them, does take away this inherent protection that does exist in the sport of football for the quarterback. So I I, I think, again, there's equity in both. I, I don't necessarily know if there's a right answer here, but I'm just really waiting for coach's response so that I can uh, have you go at it one more time.
2: I, you know, and I think that's another thing, is people clutch their pearls every time they hear quarterback run. who quarterback run, scary, guy could get hurt. Quarterback right. runs out of bounds. Who cares that he ran the quarterback? If the quarterback right. slides and gets down, who cares if he ran him right up the middle 50 times? If he slides 50 times, it doesn't matter. Steve Young talks about, only 10% or f- I forget what percentage, like 5% of a quarterback run is dangerous, right? Because right. he's not getting hit for 90% of it. He's running down the field. It's only the end that's dangerous.
3: Great example. Great example. I'm going to bring up a name that is perfect example of this. Russell Wilson. Right. First part of his career. Russell Wilson, read option, high leverage moment, run a zone read with Russell Wilson, Marshawn Lynch. That used to be their kind of go-to play. That wasn't a Russell Wilson off schedule. If I remember Russell Wilson used to run for what, like 500, 600 yards a year? Yes, and he never got hit. He He
2: never took a big hit. Oh,
3: Rob, okay. I was wrong. He used to run for like 300 yards a year. Some of it has to be
2: on the player, too. Just because, again, just because you call a play doesn't mean your dude's going to get tackled and smashed by a linebacker. Uh, Is coach back? Yes, he is. Well, there you have it. Shaking my head. Four quarterbacks down. We got the worst luck of any team on earth. Rob, wake up. There's a pattern with play calling and keeping players healthy. It's systemic. It's been seven years. Who cares? I mean part of the reason they've had so many quarterbacks hurt or a lot of quarterback injuries is because they stuck with Jimmy Garoppolo who continued to get hurt. We're like, doesn't that, some of that fall on Jimmy, like, I I don't know. I, to blame the head coach for injuries. I just think that's really, really weird.
3: Yeah. When it comes to, when it comes to the quarterback, I, I also, I tend to agree with you. I think the best court, I think there's two things in regards to the quarterback. One is, First of all, the coach has just sponsored a dinner for Rob and his family, so shout out to him. A little golf clap for that, Rob. Appreciate you, coach. Congrats, congrats. Second of all, and more importantly, because this conversation is awesome and I appreciate the coach for tuning in and giving us this because, first of all, I'm enjoying this as just an observer of watching your back and forth. But second of all, I think that with quarterbacks in general, I find that the best quarterbacks find ways to avoid being hit right? They avoid the ways to get themselves in those precarious positions, right? How many times do we see Brady go down or a Manning go down or they throw the ball away, right? Rogers for years, has he led the league and throw in passes thrown away. And if you look at it, right, I feel like part of the passes thrown away is Rogers had a couple of those collarbone injuries where he got hit when he was moving outside of the pocket. And then the infamous one that changed the body weight rule, the Anthony Barr hit, right? And so Rogers the last couple of years has led the league in, Um, throwaways and stuff like that so I do think the best quarterbacks tend to protect themselves and not be reckless but I also think there's always always an element of a coach can protect a player from himself and yeah how
2: how Mike, they tried to protect Michael Vick from himself forever. And he never he wouldn't run out of bounds. Same thing with RG3, lowering his shoulder, trying to take on guys. You only have so much control on the field. Emiliano says, blaming luck and not even a little on Kyle is wild. Patterns and statistical probability are not about luck. Like, is it Kyle's fault? And he said it himself. He he said it in a very condescending way. It, is Josh Johnson's concussion that's Kyle Shanahan's fault? Like we're blaming Kyle Shanahan because Josh Johnson got a concussion. Like, so you could point out the number of quarterback injuries, but again, I don't know how it's Kyle's fault. Jimmy Garoppolo's busted ankle or foot in the Miami game. That's Kyle Shanahan's fault. uh, Jimmy Garoppolo had multiple chances in that play to throw the damn ball away. He didn't do it. That's Kyle Shanahan's fault. Like I, I just, I don't see it. Nobody blames Kyle Shanahan for Elijah Mitchell's injuries. It's only the quarterback injuries that we're blaming Kyle for. It's just a weird yeah. thing.
3: If if the Garoppolo play, I remember actually, it was a third down. It was a zero blitz. They didn't have a place to go with the ball in the zero blitz because somebody, I, I forgot who, somebody. I think it was Debo. Kurt Warner did a breakdown of it, I think. Was it Kurt Warner? Yeah, it was Kurt Warner. He did a breakdown of it, so go watch it on his YouTube channel. It's better than me explaining it. Not now, is,
2: this is our time.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Make sure you watch Vishkumar and the Gold Standard Network first. We take yes. priority. Yes. Like, subscribe, do all of that first. And then go watch Kurt Warner because he might teach you a little bit more about football than us. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, Shout out but
2: to yeah. Jesse for this comment, by but, the way. Coach and I have turned Rob into a positive hero. Thank you, Jesse.
3: Rob, are you positive? I feel like you're still negative today. So I'm, I'm positive. I'm messing, I'm messing with, you. I'm messing all with right, you. I interrupted
2: you. I apologize.
3: Going back, we were talking about
2: You lost your train of thought, didn't you?
3: I did, I did.
2: Okay, well, think oh, about Kurt it.
3: Kurt Warner, Kurt Warner, the hot, right? The play Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt, right? They had a busted play. The hot wasn't available. Sure, like, good on Jimmy, third down, you're trying to make a play and all of that, but that's where, like, just ground the ball, move on, next play, right? Mm-hmm. And that's some of the things for the value of a veteran quarterback knowing to do those things, getting themselves out of those positions. And then the second part of it is, an Credit to Jimmy because he did do it in 2021, but I, I, in my lifetime, Rob, there's always been an element to me of the quarterback pretty much plays unless he's got an injury that makes him get surgery, right? Like I remember Derek Carr a couple of years ago, pulled his hamstring, um, pulled his quad pretty bad. Mariota finished the game, came back the next week and Derek Carr played. I remember Brady, the 2007 year, his ankle was terrible, right? He had the sprained ankle. And the entire conversation was OCU Umanira, Michael Strahan, Justin Tuck. These guys are going to tackle his legs and they're going to hurt that ankle. He played through that entire playoff run and everything. Patrick Mahomes, two separate playoff runs. One when he had the dislocated knee on the quarterback sneak the year they won the Super Bowl in 2019. Yeah. And then the sprained ankle last year, which was pretty gross, too. So I think there's always been an element of a lot of these quarterbacks do get really banged up over the course of the year, but they kind of just play They just play through it. They play through, like, even Josh Allen this year, right? He had the sprained UCL. He got banged on the elbow, and he played through the entire year and all of that. So I do think there's a culture of quarterbacks. We never really know how hurt they are, and they play through it. Aaron Rodgers played through a torn calf in, like, 2017, the year they beat Dallas, the Jared Cook years. So there's always been a culture of this. And to be fair to Jimmy, he did it in 21. But I think it's exacerbated, too, with the 49ers because the quarterback happens to be out a lot when he's hurt. And I think in other situations, the quarterback plays through basically every injury besides a torn ACL. And even Phil Rivers played through that.
2: Coach says, I think it's weird that the genius gets no blame. Elevate your eye, scrutiny, and expectations of what this man is supposed to be doing as not only head coach, but OC. Two coaches fail when Kyle screws up. He's the OC. See, like the genius, the way he put that in quotes like that. Two things can be true, right? Kyle Shanahan can be a genius and players could get hurt. Like, both of those things can be true. We, we say the genius like that. Again, he can't control everything. He, I don't know how he was supposed to prevent Brock Purdy from getting hurt. So he, he can't call that play ever. That play is just out of the playbook forever. Can't do it. Okay. And you think that's going to, like, then Brock would have been totally okay, never would have got hurt the rest of that game. Like, we don't know that, but why do we act like that now? Vicious this is the part yeah. where you talk.
3: Yeah, yeah, no, I'm just taking it all in. This is fantastic discussion, by the way. Um just have
2: I think we, we need to just have Coach on the show next week.
3: I, I agree. I agree. One, I think that's a great idea. We um, save,
2: but, him, save him a little money too. And I right, it. Oh, right.
3: Thank you. Right. Yeah, no, no. Shout out to him for that for sure. But two, I, I am I'm with you. I I I I don't look at that Brock Purdy play look. You have a play action play where sometimes you have a second tight end stuck on a defensive end you hope that the run action holds it long enough I still think Purdy could have stepped up I think there's a lot of scenarios that you can blame a lot of different people I what I really get at and that frustrates me is the sole blame like Shanahan is somehow causing this can you create a scenario where you can make a good argument to me on why Shanahan deserves some blame 100% I agree and I think coach makes a point there right like it's not like He's completely absolved of blame. I'm sure some blame for this reoccurring quarterback injury falls on his plate, but this idea that he's somehow doing it and he's actively making it happen. And that's where I think that, I don't think the coach is going there, but I think that's the narrative that a lot of people drive. That's just wrong, right? He's not trying to get these quarter. He's not like thinking about like not protecting these quarterbacks. Like I'm sure he's considering all those things. It's been an unfortunate scenario. And by the way, the last thing on this rich Madrid in the comment section, his weekly shout-out, I guess, on this show, but I just saw him in the comment section bring out the good stat about 80-plus um, QBs taking snaps last year. Line play mm-hmm. is really down, Rob. It's really bad. The discrepancy of talent in terms of defensive line to offensive line in the NFL yep. is the biggest d- discrepancy I've ever seen in my life. And so it's becoming, I think, hard in general to protect these quarterbacks because the game is so wide open – And we're putting so much protection on quarterbacks and you have the Mahomes and you have the Josh Allens that you can stick them in empty for 60 snaps a game. And you can say, well, you take the free rusher in protection and they're able to do it and all of that. And you have them doing it and that's the most efficient form of offense, but it also compromises some protection. And that's where, you know, I heard Joe Burrow talking about this, where he said he would rather have, you know, people to throw to, I guess, and have to deal with the pressure himself than have nowhere to go with the ball but have oh. all
2: day to throw, right? And so, yeah. I agree. Rich Madrid said a half a dozen teams blocked Redick with tight end three and didn't get their quarterback hurt. There was nothing wrong with the Croft play. Like, if, if Purdy steps up and throws the ball either to Ayuk, who was wide-ass open, or just throws it away, whatever, doesn't get hurt on the play, no one's complaining about the play call. No one's yeah. sitting there saying Kyle Shanahan is a moron. He's so terrible. Same exact play call. So that I think is, is where I come down on the whole thing. Moose says, I agree. Certain Kyle Shanahan issues appear to be systemic. However, I'm going to say this Purdy didn't step up. Some kind of injury will probably happen again. Well, I think especially guys that are mobile the step still, up
3: is the most important thing because it's a common problem with him in the pocket.
2: And I think it's a common problem with a lot of guys that can move around like that. Their first instinct is not vertical and it needs to be. And it's something that I think Purdy even said that, uh, Brian Greasy he's working with him on your first instinct. If you're going to move, should not be horizontal, should be vertical. Step up in the pocket, let your tackles block the guys past you and move up. And, and that's something, you know, like, look, that just comes with development. And that's Brock Purdy has not played. He hasn't yeah. played in the NFL long enough. So that like, that's what I mean, though, right? Like a variety of right. circumstances exactly. combined to create the situation that we're in. Uh, Kyle, how, uh, we,
3: how hypocritical would be we be if we blame Shanahan after complaining about Purdy not stepping up in the pocket for what, like the last six weeks of the season? I kept we kept saying he keeps running out the back of the pocket. He keeps running out of the back of the pocket. He keeps running out the back of the pocket, and then we blame Shanahan for him again not step. Yeah, we'd be hypocrites.
2: It, it's a ver. It's not one thing. That I think is the over, it's not just the play call or it's not just Brock stepping up or it's not, it's a variety of circumstances that combine to make these situations happen. Paul, shout out to YouTube channel member, Paul Doser, who says Kyle's an offensive genius, but he's not great at everything. And one of the things he isn't great at is developing quarterbacks. I don't think he has the patience for it. That's a legitimate argument. Does he have the patience for it? He seemingly hasn't with Trey Lance because of the state of the team if the team was not in the so-called Super Bowl window and they had Trey Lance, would he, sh- you know, would he just throw Trey out there and let the chips fall where they may? I don't know. There's, there's no way to know that really.
3: Yes. That's an impossible question, but I, I, for sure, I don't know about developing QBs, but I don't have any idea in my head that makes me think that he sees quarterback talent somehow that, you know how like Bill Walsh is known for seeing quarterback talent. Andy Reed's known for seeing quarterback mm-hmm. talent. I don't know if Kyle, for being a great play caller, I don't know if he has that quality, right? I guess C.J. Bethard was supposed to be his, like, diamond in the rough, right? And like, <laughs> I, I still make the argument – I still contend that C.J. Bethard's career was ruined before it started because of the fact that he probably got on the field a lot earlier than he needed to because Brian Hoyer didn't want to go back in and take any more hits. He was scared shot after the first six weeks of that year, and C.J. Bethard was getting in car crash after car crash. But
2: yeah, yeah. he was a tackling dummy back there.
3: Yeah.
2: Okay, round two, name something that's not boring.
0: Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire,
2: huh?
1: Ah, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's chumbacasino.com.
2: No purchase necessary. BDW. Group void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Clarsard 49 says, Kyle's still wanting. Kirk Cousins shows us he isn't interested in developing a quarterback. I would actually love to, like, let's say, for example, that Trey either doesn't play or plays, you know, poorly and Brock doesn't recover from the injury. Let's say like the Niners could sign Kirk Cousins this offseason. And they don't like that would go a long way. I'd be fascinated to see, does Kyle still really want Kirk cousins? We don't actually know. Cause like if he wanted to, he could have refused Jimmy Garoppolo in 2017 and just said, screw it. My plan is cousins. I'm going with cousins. And that's the end of it. He didn't do that. So maybe he doesn't want him as much as we think. I don't know. You I don't know
3: whether he wants him, but I don't think him wanting him shows that he's not interested in developing a QB Like, why would you take the time to develop a QB if you believe another QB is already developed and is good? Right. Like, he thinks Cousins is a good quarterback. Just because you don't, it doesn't mean that, you know, he's not interested in developing a quarterback. Like, he probably thinks he can win a Super Bowl with Kirk Cousins. And I would tend to argue... That if you put Kirk Cousins in either of the situations that they were with Jimmy Garoppolo, those 10 point leads in the Super Bowl, I don't think they lose those games. I agree. Like you can say, oh, Kirk, you can start getting into like intangible elements where he falls apart in the big moments, stuff like this. I can't measure that. What I can't measure, what I can measure is Kirk Cousins' ability to execute on the field as a quarterback. And he doesn't make the mistakes that Jimmy Garoppolo makes, let alone he also makes more plays than what Jimmy Garoppolo makes. So I agree.
2: That- uh Moose says, "Let's be real. Purdy probably never will. He's too short, like Kyler, and he doesn't have half the arm Kyler Murray does. He doesn't have the arm Kyler Murray does. I agree. He's taller than Kyler Murray, though. Like, let's. There's that. Bigger and two. also, thicker too. And he's he's way better off the field. Kyler's playing Call of Duty to the point where they had to put it in his contract that he had to watch a certain hours of film. You don't have to worry about Brock Purdy off the field, right? There is. Say what you want about Brock on the field." Will he develop his arm strength, yeah. blah, blah, blah? You know he's doing everything right off the field.
3: I, yeah, I I hate this comparison. Kyler Murray's a one-of-one one athlete. One-of-one one athlete. Heisman Trophy winner. First, first overall pick. pick. In baseball
2: right. and football first-round right. pick.
3: Right. he want, did, Didn't he not lose a game in Texas for yeah, Allen High School right. in four years as as the quarterback? So, yeah, he's – like, an out-of-this-world athlete, let alone the fact that, Rob, if you look at his accolades in the NFL, like, I know, like, criticizing Kyler is a new thing, and I'm kind of a fan of Kyler, but um if you look at his accolades, even what he's done in the NFL, is it does it not explain even more what an impressive and instinctive athlete the guy is to achieve all of this while Sweet. playing Call of Duty to the point that they put <laughs> it in a contract? Like, stop playing Call of Duty?
2: Yeah, it's – he is – insanely athletically gifted. And I think people forget that sometimes. Uh, HR says, Happy Juneteenth, brothers. That is correct. Happy Juneteenth to everybody. Uh, Tyler C- uh, Caressley says, Better question, what does Kyle do other than play action? Great on offense. I don't know. One of the most creative run games in the league. Like, all of a sudden now, Kyle Shanahan's not a great offensive head coach. We're coming off half of a season where the offense has looked better than it's ever looked. 33 points a game, they looked awesome. And now people are like, well, what does Kyle even do good? Even if play action was the only thing that he did great, he does it so great that they kick the tar out of people. Like, where are we right now, Vish?
3: Yeah, I, okay, yeah, okay, I agree, so okay.
2: He runs the system that every coach is trying to copy around the league. The whole league is trying to copy Kyle Shanahan's offense. They're putting defenses in a blender. Every single week, like yeah, I, I don't know how the worm has turned after this season, right? If you wanted to say after 2021, okay, but like after we just saw the offense look awesome. Now we're gonna say, What does Kyle do good? Kyle's not an by, offensive head coach. By the
3: way, I think I think a lot of the conversation with Shanahan turns into like his scheme, his system, his scheme, which his scheme is a part of it. It's a great scheme, right? Like that scheme is. Comes from his dad, the way they use the run game off. Great scheme. Okay. Forget the scheme for a second. Shanahan's strength is not the scheme, in my opinion. It's his understanding of defenses. That's what his strength is. So, what do you, what does Kyle do great on offense? He understands how defenses are trying to defend him. What are the rules of individual defenders trying to defend him? And then, how can I manipulate you where you are still following what your coach told you is your responsibility? And yet a guy is wide ass open because Shanahan knows exactly what your responsibility is. And so that's really his strength. And that's why it's difficult to go replicate his success. And that's why you see the Zach Taylor start off with the wide zone offense, but now they're going to some of the more Joe Philbin stuff that he did in Miami. And you had McVay, you know, have his own adaptation of the offense and then add a lot more drop back pass game element to it. Like just true drop back pass game element to it because he had Matthew Stafford who's fantastic at that. So you have have that, but really Shanahan's biggest strength, and this doesn't get talked about enough, is that he's the one guy that knows the defense as well as the defense knows the defense. And that's really his strength. The scheme is just a medium that he uses to manipulate the defense. And the scheme is great, but a lot of people can run the scheme. They can't sequence the play calling together like Kyle because Kyle understands defenses better than other coaches.
2: Perfectly said. He, he unlocks defenses. He breaks defenses. Richard Sherman talked about how they had to change their defense because Kyle figured it out. Basically, what he does in a nutshell is he gets guys open for big plays even when nobody does anything, quote-unquote, wrong on the defensive side. Like, a lot of times you see a guy wide open, you're like, oh, it must have been a coverage bust. It's like, no, everybody did exactly what they're supposed to, but Kyle knows what they're supposed to do, right. and he takes advantage of it to get guys that wide open that's what he does that's special and does he do that using play action a lot of the time yes so what you don't have to give any of the yards back because it was on play action i know that like play action oh we we take play action out because it makes things easier on a quarterback whatever man the yards still count the points still count absolutely paul says it in the comments kyle gets guys wide open by attacking the rules of the defense that is his greatest ability absolutely shout out to ryan hensley watching on Vish's YouTube channel uh, for Ryan. some reason instead of mine. What's that about, Russ? Yes,
3: even bigger shout out to Ryan.
2: <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, Kyle is great in the run game, pre-snap motion, dialing up the dink and dunk passing game. He has no drop back passing game. Blame that on him, his quarterbacks, or his ability to find a quarterback who can So JT O'Sullivan has criticized Kyle Shanahan's drop back passing game as well. He says basically that he, he just teaches his quarterback to just straight go through the progression. If it's not here, go here, go here, and that's it, and doesn't really let them grow beyond that. And that could be a fair criticism. What I would argue is most of the time, Kyle Shannon doesn't have to go to the straight back tra- passing game because I think he does realize it's, it's not how the offense is built.
3: And Phil, I mean, now we're getting philosophically into some deeper conversations right because now we're getting into like well philosophically their offense is built to avoid that situation right yes you don't draft trey i'm sorry you don't draft trey lance if you want to be a drop back passing team because the guy threw the ball 15 times a game in college and 10 times of those 15 times would be off play action (laughs) you don't draft that guy if you're going to be a true drop back pass team you know what you do you trade the farm for the guy bish wanted matthew stafford that's what you do because that guy has been built to drop back pass since he was 20 years old, starting for the university of Georgia. Okay. So that's one thing. So like philosophically, they're not there. So are you saying philosophically that they need to embrace that more? Well, I'm not necessarily seeing the argument, even when I see in the super bowl and I see what Andy Reid went back to because his quarterback was injured, putting more tight ends on the field, putting heavier personnel on the field, doing stuff like that. Andy Reid, who's embraced the drop back pass game. Bigger than, more than any other coach I've ever seen. How did he close out the year with the best quarterback I've ever seen, Patrick Mahomes, Hurt? They close out the year putting heavier personnel on the field and running the ball and grinding out games with Isaiah Pacheco and winning games with their defense. So I, I, I think philosophically, sure, you can make that argument. But I would argue, like, the team that probably embraces the drop-back pass game and the RPO game more than anybody, Buffalo, because they have they stand in the shotgun all the time. They're not condensed, so they have no way of setting up their run game, and their run game sucks. Like, what has that gotten them? Like, Shanahan's results in the playoffs from philosophically being at this run game defense area seems to be a little bit more consistent than just be a true drop-back pass specialist. Now, you could get into the argument of, hey, their drop-back pass game needs to be better. Hey, they do too much pure progression stuff. Like, I'm sure there's conversations there, but then we have to be in those meetings too and be like, Why are you calling this a pure progression pass play? Well, Kyle will be like, well, if they run quarters, number three will be open. You just have to see the safeties and go there. If they run this, this will be open. You know what I mean? So they might have these pure progression pass plays built in because they want you to read it out a specific way because they feel like it works against all coverages. And that's the part of the information that you and I and nobody else is privy to. And that's where the conversation becomes, well, then we're just speculating and poking at things that we could be things but we're not 100% sure because we're not in, this meet- in the meetings and in that discussion with them on why they're doing these things.
2: And Rich Madrid makes a good point. Isn't the reason so many fans love Purdy now more than Jimmy is because the drop back passing game looked better. I don't get that criticism of Kyle. That's fair too, right? We did give Purdy a lot of praise for that. And I think it's fair if you say it's not the strongest part of the offense, but like it's also easy to say like your offense has got to be able to be great at everything. It's like, okay, well, it's really hard to build a team that's great at everything all the time. And this is not the strongest part of their offense. It's not the part of their offense that it's set up to, to lean on. And I think we just have to live with that.
3: By the way, their drop back pass game, I thought was, I'm, I'm going to go back and watch it actually right now. Um, probably later this week, I'm going to go back and watch 15 Atlanta, 16 Atlanta, but I always thought their drop back pass game was really sound in Atlanta. And they used to get into empty. There's a drive against Denver from the 2016 season where they kill Atlanta. And it's like what New England did against the Rams in the Super Bowl, where they come in condensed and heavy personnel, and then they spread it out and no one can guard, funnily enough, Tevin Coleman, right? They kill Atlanta. I think they throw actually a go ball to Tevin Coleman in that drive sequence. I don't remember it exactly. So I'm going to go back and watch those things. But I do think, again, the quarterback and the receivers and all of that all plays into it. And Kyle is in charge of the personnel too, as we established earlier in the show. But this personnel is not conducive. This is not an offensive line built to drop back. Right. None of the quarterbacks are really built to drop back. Actually, I would say the most equipped quarterback to drop back is Brock because he did a lot of that in college. And yeah, and again, none of the receivers are really just built to just line them up or I put you know one of them as an isolated X and. Xavier Howard's pressing him ten times a game. Well, they tried throwing a goal ball against Xavier Howard to Brandon Ayuk. What everybody wanted. Purdy threw a decent ball. Fourth and two. What happened, Rob?
2: Off the top of my head, I don't remember. I assume it was. Howard
3: pinned, Howard pinned him on the sideline and picked it off.
2: There you go. Uh, coach says, I feel like the scrutiny of the offense rose with the lack of consistency or development at the quarterback position. We have more than enough weapons. The offense needs the best of the best to be above average. I mean, they weren't just above average last year, coach. They were 30 points a game they were the best average in the league down the stretch now if you want to say it's weird that they went from 19 points a game before acquiring Christian McCaffrey to 33 points a game after acquiring Christian McCaffrey that's fair but let's not say they were above average last year down the stretch they were really freaking good
3: yeah 100 they were really good that streak was crazy man that streak was crazy
2: Ryan says it's okay to give honest criticism of Kyle he's not great at everything some things he is that's fair nobody's great yeah. at everything Nobody is great at everything. And look, I've been on Kyle for his fourth down decision-making, his game management, and the handling of the quarterback position. I think those are areas where he has a ton of room to improve. But he also has a lot of areas where he's really damn good. And I think that sometimes 49er fans, we we take it for granted sometimes.
3: Also, by the way, the deeper conversation about this particular criticism is a conversation about football philosophy. And I don't know if it would bear out that anybody is necessarily right in this conversation, because that's why you have the Shanahan scheme and why it's so relevant. Right. And that's why you have, I guess, kind of of the West coast offense. It's kind of been adapted though. A lot of principles exist in every offense that are core based from it, but you have that as well. You have all of these different football philosophies and schemes from these great visionaries, not Kyle, but he's not a visionary yet, but you have all these great visionary Bill Walsh, the ultimate visionary, and right. it, 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 I don't know if there's necessarily a right answer here as much as it's a preference for some, but I do think the one thing to Shanahan that's brilliant. And I know um, the coach, cause I talked to him a little bit. He always says it's credit to Bobby Turner and Chris Forrester. And I would like to credit them as well is that they always find a way to run the ball, man. They find a way to set up r- their run game, the way they run any of their run plays. They're so well coached, so well taught give rich Madrid a second shout out on this show he shared recently with me um a run game clinic from Chris Forrester did one from last year and the way they run the ball the way that it's it's art man it's art
2: yeah when you when you like learn the deeper meaning behind why they do things I do think it does give you a greater appreciation last point I want to make because coach said it and Grant has said it a lot, and I'm going to talk to Grant about this on Wednesday, like, oh, Kyle acquired an an, an all-pro running back in Christian McCaffrey, and suddenly the offense was good. It's not like the Panthers were lighting up the scoreboard with Christian McCaffrey. You know, so it's you can't just say, well, he got Christian McCaffrey was so it's great. Carolina had Christian McCaffrey, and they weren't doing what the 49ers were doing. It's, yes, Christian McCaffrey is good. Yes, that's a part of it. But it's also knowing how to use Christian McCaffrey, to confuse the hell out of defenses. That's part of it too. Again, multiple things. It's both. It's the talent of Christian McCaffrey and the talent of Kyle Shanahan combining to create something great.
3: 100% agree. That offense was disgusting, man. Look at how much better it got. Somebody pointed out in the comments just now. I just read it. That it got better once McCaffrey left. Well, no, it got better once they got rid of Matt Rule, man. (laughs)
2: That's true. Uh, It got They were actually able to run the ball. Are you saying that Christian McCaffrey wasn't good in Carolina, that it was his fault that he was holding them back with that guy? Like, so that the whole thing is the whole thing is weird. It's just weird. Someone says the Panthers didn't have Brock Purdy. No, but they had Sam Darnold, who apparently was awesome.
3: <laughs> no, He's know. really good at handing it to Dante Foreman and Chuba Hubbard, man. Right,
2: exactly. I just <laughs> just before we came on, I did an interview with Oscar Aparicio, and we went back and forth on a lot of things. That's gonna go up. First, it'll go up on our gold standard podcast. Patreon page. If you want to see it there, it'll go up ad free later today. Um, but eventually, I'll put it out on YouTube as well. But Oscar, we disagreed about a lot. The one thing we agreed on: Sam Darnold ain't it. We know right. Sam Darnold ain't it.
3: You want you want me to you want me to sell you something that I don't understand about the business of the NFL, right? Carolina had success over the course of that second half of the year, right? Um, mm-hmm. And it led to. Excuse me. Sorry. It led to um, Steve Wilkes not getting a head coaching job. He got a um, like I'm talking about the characters involved that in Carolina's success at the end of the year. Right. Somehow, Sam Darnold got the best deal in all this. Steve Wilkes didn't get a head coaching job, even though he did an awesome job for six games. Donta Foreman, who what, ran for 500 yards in six games or something like that. He signed with the Bears. I don't remember him getting a lot of money. And Sam Darnold, who won one of those games going five for 15 with 40 yards, two picks, got, what, $3.5 million fully guaranteed and a contract with $11 million in just how does, how does that work? And these are some of the things of the business of the NFL where I don't want to get political. But what the heck? What the heck? How does he be the one guy from that end-of-the-year success for Carolina that's like DJ Moore was shipped out?
2: The guy that's least responsible for the success may have gotten the most sort of credit, at least financially, for it. You're 100 right. If if people don't remember, the Panthers in those six games, not counting Darnold, taking Darnold out of it, the Panthers averaged 4.7 yards per carry in those games, and 148 yards per game. They were steamrolling people at the end of that season. And like you said, sometimes Sam did more harm than good with his play. He also had two fumbles in that game that you mentioned, too. Let's right. point one that year, out.
3: One year, $3 million for Donta Foreman, who ran for nearly 1,000 yards last really year. Weird. And he did it basically in the second half of the year.
2: Because people still want to be right about Sam Darnold. They liked him in 2018. They, they want to be right. Forget all the bad that happened, the 1,000 snaps that we've seen. Kyle still wants to be right. That's why he's on the team. Kyle even said, I liked him in 2018. I wave away all the, the crap that we've seen from him. People still you want got to- it.
3: That was you. You got it from Chris Sims yeah. on the gold standard network.
2: Sanity, man. But anyway, I really enjoyed this episode. Shout out to everybody with the comments. I love all the comments. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, coach. Thanks for buying me lunch today. Appreciate that. <laughs> uh, Rich Madrid, Jesse. Appreciate everybody. Uh, all our YouTube channel members again. Become a YouTube channel member less than $3 a month. Custom emojis, membership badges, priority comment response, uh, and a follow. Apparently, Vish, you've signed me up for that as well. So dude, thanks, dude, yeah.
3: Dude, what do you have? Like 22K followers on Twitter, 30K followers on Twitter? Something ah, like it's that, like right? 18. Oh, almost just- 18. Okay, yeah, dude, getting followed by somebody with 18K followers, I would sign up for a member right now. Like, I- the only reason like, I-, I even do this show is because I just want to preserve my follow from you for on twitter because i feel like it just increases the hell out of my credibility i'm followed by a guy with 18k followers
2: wow i thought it was because you know you liked me and we did a good show but okay I, yeah,
3: that, that used to be the reasons now it's like dude let me just get no nah, i'm kidding of course i like you and we do a good show but today i feel like you and coach really stole the show and the comment section this was awesome like dude, yes it's all this comments
2: thank you everybody for all the comments we couldn't do it without you by the way check out our website goldstandardniners.com n-i-n-e-r-s.com I'm gonna have more content for you now that i'm uh, fully recovered from my appendix surgery so we'll, we'll be ramping that up as well vish thank you very much we appreciate it as always
3: thank you rob are you throwing a tennis ball yet
2: <laughs> i'm working my way up three throwing okay. sessions a week we'll let you know how it goes
3: see you, everybody